Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives, and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net, and you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. Just go over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Now it is time for this week's episode of Sam Spade. The original air date, December the 8th, 1950, and the title is The Dry Gulch Caper. The National Broadcasting Company presents The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Sam Spade, Detective Agency? Me, sweetheart, bounce along, Spade. Bounce along, Spade? The only cowpoke in the West with so much daylight between him and his saddle, the California Limited can pass under without ever slackening speed. Sam! I'm rough and I'm tough and I'm ready, gal. I'll outshoot, outride, and outcourt any man in boots. Or barefooted either, as a matter of fact. Choose your weapon. What's come over you? Where have you been? Where the air is warm and the women are warmer, if, and the end comes swift and sudden. Oh? I took Horace Greeley's advice, sweethearts. I went west. West? With Sam? I mean, are we already done? Keep your reins tight, gal. I calculate to bowleg my way through the door, garbed in my 12-gallon hat, my buckskin shirt, my worn Levi's, and my twin six-guns with extra-large hammers to dictate my report on the dry gulch caper. <laughs> or they went that away. For NBC, William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, brings you the greatest private detective of them all in The Adventures of Sam Spade. Come here, prairie flower. Are you the new school marm? Oh, oh. oh, what's happened to you, Sam? You're so strong, so, so, so real. For real? Not only that, so beat, Effie. So absolutely beat. Oh, is there anything I can get to? Uh, not unless you have an inn at the local cushion factory. Shall we, sweet? I'd like to get it over with. Painful? You mean it gives you a headache just to think of it? It's about my head that I was referring to. You ready, little partner? Oh. Ready, sir? Date, fill it in to Lieutenant R.C. Halliday, robbery detail, San Francisco Police Department, City. From Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the Wild West Caper, or Hop Along Cassidy can have it. Dear Halliday, I should say at this very instant, I should be cramming for my entrance exams to the mission home for saddle store private detectives. But knowing how this report will tidy up your files, I shall proceed in a standing position. It was late yesterday afternoon when, for me, the bell tolled. That was when I first heard the pretty voice of the girl of the Golden West. Uh, Mr. Spade, you are Sam Spade, the detective. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Who? Uh, Mr. Spade, I'm calling about my grandfather. He's, 
But you don't even know who I am, do you? I cannot tell a lie. I don't, ma'am. Uh, my name's Penny Brewster, and I only well, hope I can tell you the story before Grandfather comes to the phone. The story? Yes, you see. Oh, here he comes. Play along with him, Mr. Spade, please. And remember, you're not Sam Spade, the detective. Oh. You're Marshall Spade of the California Rangers. Marshall... Wait a minute, I... Yes, I... and you must look the part. In a I... blue serge suit? You'll think of something, I know you will. I've heard private detectives are terribly clever. Well, I... I... Marshal Spade? That's right. Buck Brewster talking. Yeah? And he says you're the straightest shooting pokey since Billy the Kid. T-Rex? Huh? Oh, sure, sure. T-Rex, Buck. T-Rex. Claims you and a horse fly along like you was one. T-Rex? Buck, at one time or another, I've taken a flyer on every nag in the game. Trotters included. Then you're my man, Marshal. Get up here fast. This shooting's liable to start any minute. <laughs> we we have a bad connection on this phone. I thought you said the shooting's liable to start. I ain't got no time to waste on useless palaver, Spade. Just get up here. I'll paint the whole picture when I see you. Get up where? Where are you? Why, in Dry Gulch. Where else would I be? Well, that's... Well, where is Dry Gulch? Take the main trail north out of town till you spot the Oak Circle. Then bear right. Yeah? I'll go down now and leave a change of mounts at the circle. Uh, how far would you say this circle is from San Fran? Oh, about a half day's hard ride, I reckon. Half a day's hard... Uh, look, Buck, I, I don't think I better. I'm out of condition, you know. I haven't been riding lately. Oh, I... sure, that ain't what my purdy granddaughter tells me. Purdy, eh? Half a day's hard ride. About 20 miles, huh? I don't remember any town along there. Don't worry about the town, Marshal. It's here. Just get in your saddle and get to loping. You're sure there's a town there? Please, I ain't got time to argue geography with you. Now, listen. Them $50 gold pieces clinking together, and I got a whole cellar full of them. Are you coming up here? Buck, tell them to take to the high hills. <laughs> Sam Spade rides again. I made two stops before I hailed a cab and told the startled driver to proceed north on the main trail out of town at a corner newsstand where I riffled through a Western story magazine to determine what the saddle and sagebrush set is wearing this season and at the Hitch and Post costume shop where I donned what I thought was a rather colorful facsimile of the same. We drove out 101 at a smooth 55 for almost half an hour before I spotted a circular clump of trees, complete with horse. As we reared to a halt, the driver looked back at me and shook his head. I'm taking down your description, Buster, just in case they ask. Black 10-gallon hat, purple silk shirt, orange Angora chest. Boy, I've seen everything now. You obviously aren't an Esquire man. Now, this wardrobe was personally endorsed by Mr. T. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you sure you want to get out here, Buster? At this very spot, Buster. But there ain't nothing here, but nothing. Wrong, my good man. For you, there is this. For me, yonder steed and the dusty trail on your right. Pleasant journey back to the fort and keep an eye peeled for the Indians. A fruitcake. I've been hauling a fruitcake. He drove off and I staggered on the sides of my ankles toward the horse, the mount that Buck had left for me. Now, this ornery critter took one look at my costume, and as I swung up into the saddle, he shuddered, then closed his eyes, and zowie! Hey, wait for me, horse! Hey, horse! Horse! It was a 
Approximately seven miles later, and I was beginning to feel better because I was paralyzed from the waist down, that we flashed past a sign that read, Dry Gulch City Limits, Beware of Flying Lead. And then came Dry Gulch Copper. Ramshackled buildings lined its solitary, dusty streets. Roofs sagging, walls leaning crazily inward. There wasn't a human being in sight. Dry Gulch was a ghost town. We clumped past the Golden Spur Cafe, Whitey's Tonsorial Parlor, the Lone Ace Gambling Casino, and Gherkin's Saddle and Harness Shop, all deserted, before my horse plowed to a halt in front of the Red Dog Saloon. I dismounted and hobbled in. Inside, the Red Dog was a spider's paradise. Cobwebs covered everything. A Jesse James Wanted poster tacked on a wall. An 1835 calendar bearing a picture of Sam Houston. Even a bottle of red eye standing on the bar. I was uh, washing the trail dust out of my throat when a familiar object on a shelf behind the bar caught my attention. I shoved the bottle hastily away from me and rapidly blinked my eyes. But what I'd seen was still there. A brand new oak tape television set. Uh-huh. And then somebody shoved another familiar object right into my ribs. For your sake, I hope you're Marshal Spade. The same, and also for my sake, I hope you don't have a nervous trigger finger. Mighty careless, Marshal, drinking with your back to the door. Let me look you over. Turn around. Uh, at the low. All right, Buck. There we are. Well, why in tarnation are you rigged out like that? Well, perhaps these aren't my best colors, but, uh, oh... How about this shooting you spoke of? What's the trouble, Buck? Oh, it's that low-down snake, Blackie Tolliver, Marshal. Blackie Tolliver? Oh, you must have heard of Blackie. Yeah, this is him here. Blackie Tolliver, sought for the robbery of the Cattlemen's National Bank, Oklahoma City, June 25th, 1894. Mm-hmm. Mm, rough ornery, K-use. K-use. Mm. But direct. We crossed trails first when he pulled that job. Me being the sheriff in 94, it was up to me to chase him down. But he wrangled himself a pardon, slippery snake. And then? Well, four years later, I hit Tombstone, all primed to settle down. Even had a little filly, all picked out, but it never happened. What did? Oh, that creeping, crawling Blackie Tolliver, sweet-talked her into leaving town with him. Your girl ran off with Blackie? To get hitched in Dawson City. Then he stranded her there, sick and broke. I burned the letter getting to her when I heard. But I was too late. Oh, I'm sorry, Buck, but... That's a long time ago. Well, I vowed I'd get that sidewinder. I chased him all over the west. But if you couldn't catch him, then then three days ago I seen him again. Here in Dry Gulch? No, no, on TV. What? Yeah, some program was telecasting about a new bank opening in Frisco. And there, their biggest life was Blackie right on the TV. You could recognize him on television? Amazing. And you know what he was doing there, Marshal? What? Blackie Tolliver, who's held up more banks than I've got fingers and toes, was the guard in that bank. <laughs> you mean he pulled a switch, huh? Trailing with the law now. Quick as the TV was finished, I read him a letter. Uh-huh. I challenged him to a shootout here in Dry Gulch where no one could interfere. And as soon as he shows up, I'm going to cut him down. Well, what makes you think he'll show? Well, two of his gang were skulking around yesterday looking to lay out for him. You mean two of his gang? How do you figure that? Well, it's simple. I sent him that letter when Mene shows up. The first humans to set foot in Dry Gulch in ten years. Hmm. Yes, sir. Now, uh, 
If Blackie's got a gang, I might need some help, see? Uh -huh. That's where you come in. If things get too rough, you're going to step in and swing the tide. Me? Why, I haven't swung a tide in years. Penny! Penny! A girl now entered the Red Dog. A girl, and I do not use the term loosely. Golden hair framed a face that belonged nowhere but on a ranch romance's cover. And her plaid shirt and jeans encased the sort of figure that lonely cowpokes dream of. The sort of figure, as a matter of fact, that lonely private detectives dream of, too. Now, this is my granddaughter, Penny, Marshal. Pretty as a new saddle, ain't she? Howdy, Marshal. I've heard a lot about you. So I've heard. Uh, show the marshal where he'll bed down, honey. And keep your eyes open, Spade. Them varmints are liable to strike any minute. Well, you can run along now. Okay, Buck, you'll uh, be here? Well, I wouldn't be nowhere else for the next half hour. Not with Sagebrush Sandy coming on. Sagebrush Sandy? Yes, sir. The best thing that ever happened to TV. Oh, no. The greatest stick jockey this side of the Pecos River. Now, if I can just find him. Now, we'll remove the paste from the oven. Oh. Ready? Oh, dear, what a mess. Well, for a quick substitute today. Dad rabbit cooking expert. Oh, Dixieland. <laughs> Dixieland. Musical murder, that's what it is. And San Francisco police have no clue to the whereabouts of two armed gunmen who late this afternoon forced the guard to open the doors of the Park State Bank and escape with a suitcase full of currency. Dixieland bank robbers. Where in tarnation sagebrush sandy? You can And just listen to that record he's spinning. <laughs> now that's real music. Let's quickly. I take it Sagebrush Sandy's program doesn't do anything for you? Well, let's say the fair does. Fresh share more. <laughs> I'm glad you stayed, Mr. Sage. For a minute, I was afraid you were leaving Dry Gulf. Where were you? Outside the window you were trying to reach. You mean you heard all the things Buck said, then? Uh-huh. We turn in here. Ah. This is the Overland Hotel. Uh, you're not worried about your grandfather? There's nothing wrong with it. He's been like this ever since I can remember. Oh? Well, here you are. Not the Fairmount, exactly. Mm, charming, charming. Uh, about Buck. Grandfather is a very old man who's trying desperately to live in the past. That's why he bought Drygout. You mean he bought the whole town? Lock, stock, and barrel. It was, well, a dream he'd had for years come true. A chance to live out his life in the sort of surroundings he loved. And uh, Blackie Tolliver, the demon bank robber who came back on television the other day. <laughs> I've heard about Blackie Tolliver since I was so high. This showdown with Blackie is all Grandfather talks about. And when it doesn't happen, there'll be no living with him. Unless he can be convinced Blackie was just too scared to face him. And I'm to convince him? Why me? Who could convince him easier than Marshal Spade of the California Rangers talking to him man to man? Oh, I see. Well, uh, look, I, I can't take Let's his money for this. Play a game just for tonight. Tomorrow you can leave and forget the whole thing. You will help me. Won't you, Sam? Her face was only inches from mine and getting closer every second when the silence of Dry Ghost was shattered by shouts and the sound of pounding feet. 
I crossed the room and peered out into the twilight. A man was running from the Red Cross Saloon to the hotel. But nowhere near fast enough. All four of the shots that lanced out from the Red Dog caught him directly under my window. He staggered drunkenly and then fell face up in the street. As I looked down at him, two thoughts were inescapable. A, his was the same face Buck had shown me on the poster, so there was a Blackie Tolliver. And B, whatever game Penny's grandfather was playing right now was apparently one he was playing for keep. You are listening to the weekly adventure of radio's most famous detective, Sam Spade. Have you met our new baby yet? I mean, NBC's new baby, The Big Show. And what a baby it is. The biggest baby you ever heard. And he's not crying either. Why should he cry with stars like Tallulah Bankhead, Jimmy Durante, Clifton Webb, Mindy Carson, Meredith Wilson, and a host of others to make him radio's greatest spectacle ever? This Sunday and every Sunday, meet The Big Show. An hour and a half of comedy, music, and drama. All this and Tallulah, too. No wonder it's The Big Show. And Sunday evening over most of these NBC stations also means Theater Guild on the air. Now back to the Dry Gulch Caper, or They Went That Away. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. Blackie Tolliver was still alive but unconscious when Penny and I reached him moments later. His forced breathing was the only sound to be heard along Dry Gulch's single street. Wherever Buck had gone after the shooting, whatever he was doing, he was quiet as a mouse. I examined Blackie as best I could in the dusky light. He was wearing a Park State Bank guard uniform, and it was soaked with red. He needed medical attention fast. He dies, Sam. They'll call it murder, won't they? Let's not talk about that now. Won't they? What else could they call it? Like he didn't have a prayer. He isn't even carrying a gun. But grandfather did... Oh, Sam, what are we going to do? Right now, we're going to get Blackie to a hospital. That means we'll need horses and some help. There's no one to help us. Well, there's Buck. You saddle the horses, I'll find him. If we take him to a hospital, he still might die. And what are we gaining? But if we didn't, no one would ever know that grandfather... Penny! Oh. I'll saddle the horses. Sam, please don't hate me for what I was thinking. I carried Blackie to the hotel porch and did what I could to make him comfortable. Then I started looking for Buck. Buck's TV set was still on when I reached the Red Dog, but it was playing to a dark, empty house. I turned away to continue my search, and then I stopped. The music tearing at my eardrums was pure Dixieland. Musical murder, as Buck called it. I checked my watch. 6.23. Only 23 minutes since Penny and I left the saloon. That meant sagebrush Sandy still had seven minutes to go. I could see Buck taking a powder after dropping Blackie, but I couldn't see him forsaking his beloved Sandy for Dixieland before he did it. I was wondering who had switched channels when I saw what I'd missed before. A sliver of light shining under a door at the back of the room. I cat-footed my way across the red dog and had almost reached the door when for the second time since my arrival in Dry Gulch, I felt a gun barrel pressed against my spine. Don't stop, Snoop. Just keep moving right on through the door. I'm sorry, sir. I can hardly hear you with that music. All right, so we can turn it off, the music. Thank you. Thank you. Now? Now move. 
Well, if you insist. But I can only stay a moment. Okay. What happened? I thought the population of this town was but one. So did I, Al. I got rid of the old timer, but on the way back, I ran into this G. Apparently, the census taker's overlooking him. Yeah, it only proves you can believe no man. We are given positive assurance the place is deserted, yet traffic suddenly becomes unbearable. Well, perhaps I was being over-friendly, gentlemen. We Westerners get carried away now and then. Now, if you'll excuse me, I... Oh, that's no... Yes, friend. You have just arrived. Really, boys? It's far past my usual bedtime. So you sleep in tomorrow. Sit down. Leave us chat. There were several things in that candlelit back room I could have chatted about. I could have told Al Torino, short, swarthy, and one of the best-known bank boys in the business, that I'd recognize him as soon as his friend herded me through the door. Or perhaps mention the currency stacked high on the table before him, each packet held together by a paper binder with the words, Park State Bank of San Francisco, stamped very neatly on it. Now... Suppose you tell us about what you're snooping around for. Gentlemen, this is all a grievous misunderstanding. I merely happened by to remind you of the annual rodeo to be held at Devil's Elbow this coming Saturday. An innocent, friendly gesture. Tell us more. A most colorful event, the rodeo. Bronco busting, covered wagon races, wild steer roping, and anyone can enter. Now, perhaps you would be interested? Me? Why, I haven't roped a wild steer in almost a fortnight. Your friend, perhaps? Heaven alone knows how long it's been since I roped a steer. I busted a bronchid. Well, it was just a thought. Goodbye. Hold it. Please. I'm most unhappy that we misjudge you, friend. Oh, it's nothing. Every call can't be a happy one. You already make me feel worse. I feel we owe you something for at least thinking of us. Don't you, Corky? Yes, indeed, Al. Yes, indeed. I couldn't think of it. I'll uh, just run along. No, our minds are made up. Give it to him, Corky. <laughs> I dove for him as the words left his mouth because I knew what they intended to give me. But I only got in one punch because Corky knew what Al was going to say before he said it. That gave him a slight advantage. And it was all he needed. When I came out of it, I was lying in total darkness, and I wasn't alone. Oh, dead blasted varmints. You wouldn't like it loose and get my hands oh, on them. Oh, oh, oh. Varmints. Let me loose. Uh, just a minute, Buck. I'll uh, give you a hand. Uh, there you are. Hey, how'd they get you, Buck? Oh, I was watching the TV, and I heard a car, and then Blackie and them two that were skulking around yesterday drove up. And they walked right into the red dog as if they was aiming to stay. Who was carrying the suitcase? Blackie was. Uh, and the others was walking along behind him with their guns drawn, protecting him so I couldn't get to him. Uh, so I sneaked around to the front of the red dog, hoping I could surprise him. Well, it was me that got surprised, though. Well, what happened, Buck? Well, they was in the back room, and Blackie was hollering about a double cross and a fair cut. And that their kind of talk. And then the door busted open, and he came a-tearing out across the room with that little critter right behind him. Well, that'd be Al Torino. He's the one who got Blackie. He what? Got Blackie. You mean that wall-eyed critter's been messing around my range? Remember we heard on TV about the Park State Bank being knocked over? These yeah. are the boys who did it. Well, I'll be your... And Blackie was the hostage that announcer fellow was talking about. Uh -uh. He was the bank guard, and they took him. No, no, Blackie was in it, too. The inside man. He had to be. 
Do you think Blackie opened them doors for him without any persuasion, huh? I'll give you odds on it, Buck. And they didn't just happen to pick Dry Gulch as their hideout, either. Blackie must have suggested it after you wrote and told him you were up here all along. You didn't know it, but you were handing him a perfect hideout. Yes, but why would one of his own gang drop Blackie? Perino and the other one apparently figured a lot of money for three it would be even more for two. Yeah, I get... Hey... Hey, listen to that. Yeah. Them varmints is fixing to pull out. Come on, let's go get him. I'm right with you, Buck. Hey, hey, hold up. Hold up, you bushwhacking dudes. Hey. Oh, dad rat, it's with too late, Marshal. There they go, tearing down the back road. Is there any way we can cut across country and head them off? Oh, uh, no, not a foot we can. And by the time we saddle up some ponies, they'll be It pains long... me to even mention this, Buck, but I sent Penny to do just that some time ago. You did? Yeah. Well, what are we waiting for? <laughs> We galloped up draws, down canyons, through streams, over cliffs, and across deserts. And the only place on me that felt good was my head, where Corky had sat me. And finally, Buck, riding ahead of me, pulled his pony to a halt and waited for me to catch up. Somehow, I slid south off my horse's neck and was back in the saddle again when I drew abreast of them. Well, we ain't gonna have to trap them dudes after all, Marshal. Huh? No, Cripple Creek done it first. Cripple Creek? The driest creek in the West. It crosses the road up ahead a piece. <laughs> and right now, them critters is sitting hub deep in sand. Come on! Let's start riding circle. Riding circle? Indian style. Oh. Round and round the car till we pick them off. Oh, no, Buck. We're going to handle this my way. And it won't be on horseback. Here. What fancy plan have you got? None. It's very simple. We leave the horses right here. You get as close to them as you can along the road, and I'll circle around behind them. Now, don't show yourself until I go after them. You got it? Well, all right. But I still think circling's better. I left him there and dodged from bush to boulder to tree, working my way to a position behind Al Torino and Corky. I had just reached a rock formation that overlooked the road right over their car and slipped my 38 out of its hiding place beneath the purple silk shirt when I realized that Buck wasn't going to do things anyway but his own. All right, you city-fied home cats! Make your play! Buck stood in the headlight glare, crouched low, slightly behind Torino and his henchmen. His hands were an indistinct blur as Torino spun around, digging for his left armpit. He was fast, but it's almost impossible to outdraw a man who uses a breakaway shoulder holster. I was on my feet and running toward the car when Buck staggered backward, a look of surprise on his face, and then crumpled to the ground. I fired as I ran, and Corky's startled face was still falling forward when Al Torino caught the last of my bullets and followed him down. I reached Buck and lifted him into a sitting position. His eyes were bewildered as he looked up at me. You got me, Marshal. Easy, easy, Buck. Now let's have a look. Here we are. Well, Buck, you were lucky. Just grazed a rib. You got me, Marshal. Yeah, I guess I'd better hang up my shooting irons and just concentrate on tending Penny. You know, Buck, I've been wondering how you wound up with a granddaughter anyway. If the filly Blackie ran off with meant so much to you, how could you... Marry up with somebody else? Yeah. Oh, shucks, Marshal. <laughs> Penny's grandma was twice the woman that first one was. Best in the world. Well, then how come you held a grudge against Blackie all those years and wanted to shoot it out with him? Oh, I didn't really, but dread it all. A man's got to have a little excitement in his life, don't he? Period. End of report. Say, 
fantastic story. It is that, F. It is that. But uh, go type it up anyhow. Are you sure you aren't making up the whole thing? For the doubting Thomases, I have a matched set of saddle scars to prove the truth of each and every statement. Oh, I take your word for it. I'll, I'll type it up right away. <laughs> Three chimes mean good times on NBC. There's no cover charge at Duffy's Tavern. Just keep your dial tuned to NBC later as Archie and his delightful friends cook up another mad and merry session at that remarkable restaurant, Duffy's Tavern. This Sunday, the big show comes your way again on NBC, the best in comedy, music, and drama, with unpredictable Tallulah as MC, Jimmy Durante, Clifton Webb, and many more. No questions? Well, one, if you don't mind. Ask, Aunt, ask. Um, Blackie died, I suppose. Indeed not. He'll be up and in fine fettle by the time his trial rolls around. But you went galloping across the desert and forgot all about him. Who took care of him? The doctor. Who else? The doctor? Yeah. What doctor? In a ghost town? Oh, oh, besides forgetting Blackie, I also forgot there was a phone in Dry Ghost. That's how Penny contacted me in the first place, remember? And she called the doctor. Mm-hmm. This is Penny. Mm-hmm. You, um... Sort of liked her, didn't you, Sam? Oh, she was all right in a beautiful, gorgeous sort of way. Oh, I see. We uh, never did get to sit down and talk things over, Ask. In fact, I never got to sit down. I still haven't. Poor Sam. It's like Mother says. We all have muscles that we're not accustomed to use. And then when we use them, they just... They do indeed, Ask. Oh, yes. Sam. Hmm. The things you have to do to make both ends meet. Oh, shut up. Come here. Oh, Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. The Adventures of Sam Spade are produced, edited, and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade was played by Stephen Dunn. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. Wally Mayer was Buck. Script for tonight's adventure by Don Carey. Musical scoring by Lud Gluskin, conducted by Robert Armbruster. Join us again next week, same time, for another adventure with Sam Spade. Hear the magnificent Montague, then visit Duffy's Tavern on NBC. Welcome back. Great job at, by Wally Mayer as Buck. We've heard him a week ago as Lieutenant Riley in Let George Do It. But really, he was one of those indispensable uh, performers who did so many great uh, character roles. And certainly, he's played all sorts of characters on Sam Spade over the years. And I love the twist about him not having held a grudge all these years, but just wanting to have some excitement. Also, I'm glad they were able to call the Doctor as someone there remembered that this was not actually the Old West. It was also interesting to hear Alan Reed play two very different roles. He played the cab driver, and he also played Torino. And that ability of so many actors to double is one thing that makes audio drama a bit more economic than on-screen affairs. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback now. 
And we turn to Twitter. Uh, Richie writes regarding the uh, terrified turkey caper. Man, this was rough. This is the only Great Detectives episode that I can remember giving up on and deleting from my playlist before it ended. Well, sorry about that, Richie. I hope you enjoy some of the further episodes. I know that was only the second episode for Steve Dunn as Sam Spade. And I think as time goes on, he's kind of growing into the role and they're finding the right scripts for him. I thought this was a really good one and there are some other solid ones ahead. Of course, I did enjoy the terrified turkey caper, although I can see, yeah, there were some rough spots there. Meanwhile, over on YouTube, Jody writes of the Farmer's Daughter caper, the last Howard Duff episode. Love this episode. Well, thank you so much, Jody. I appreciate uh, your comments over on YouTube. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. I want to go ahead and thank Sarah. Sarah has been one of our Patreon supporters since July of 2020, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Sarah. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. If you are enjoying the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, mark the notification bell, and maybe like Jody, leave a comment. All those great things help us get picked up by the YouTube algorithm and allow even more people to enjoy great old time radio. We'll be back next Monday with another episode of Sam Spade, but join us back here tomorrow for the start of another Yours Truly Johnny Dollar serial where... Are you Tom Bates? That's right. My name is Dollar. I just talked to you on the phone. And I told you I had nothing to say. Uh, Mind if I sit down? Now look here. You look, Mr. Bates. I've been in the business of insurance investigation for quite a while. And I probably know the legal rules and responsibilities of your office about as well as you do. Get out, Dollar. For two cents, that's exactly what I'd do. And if I did, you'd find yourself in a real tight spot. What are you talking about? The company would have a battery of high-powered legal eagles in town by 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. And they'd have a subpoena, restraining order, an order to show cause so quick it'd make your eyes bug out. And that's where it would start to get embarrassing, Mr. Bates. When you tried to explain to the court why you were withholding evidence and refusing to cooperate. What do you mean, refusing to cooperate? I haven't refused a thing. It sounded that way to me. I don't care how it sounded. I... Look, I know what you're up to. Peterson told me why you're here. Oh? You're out to muddy this thing up. You're trying to pin something on Miss Parker so you can get out of paying the insurance claim. And subpoena or no subpoena, you'll get no help from my office on a crooked deal like that. Any reason for you to think something could be pinned on her, Mr. Bates? Of course there's no reason. You saw the transcript of the coroner's inquiry, didn't you? I did. Well, did you find one single hint of suspicion anywhere in it? No, no. Not much of anything else, for that matter. Are you always as gentle with your witnesses as you were with Miss Parker? The girl was half out of her mind with grief, on the verge of a breakdown. We got the facts. What more do you want? Maybe we should have thrown her in jail, beat her up with a rubber hose, starved her till she thought of something to confess. Is that the way you'd have done it? Oh, relax, Mr. Bates. You're not in a courtroom. No, and by heaven, I'm not going to be. Not on this case. Because there's no reason. How long have you been in love with the Parker girl? Ever since I... I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to... 
box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.